Hello and welcome to episode 98 of the Remarkable Results Radio's Town Hall Academy. Now we have a great discussion for you on technician training, daytime versus nighttime, and a whole lot more. When done listening, you'll get a renewed sense of commitment to training as an overall important strategy in your business. Now, here's a taste. So the reality is, is, is there a return on investment? Absolutely. And measurable time. And could you blow him up and, and really make a negative impact on training? Absolutely. You, it's called beat the clock, diagnose it fast. And um, you know what? You're kind of slow. So we're going to put you back to doing break jobs versus letting them grow with that training and saying, I know you're in three hours into a safari, but I know you're going the right way. We'll figure out how we handle the shop. And that's, you know, from a return on investment, yeah, people say training's not working. I'm not going to send you anymore because you can't do it. Well, whose fault is it? Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hey, Carm Capriato here. Now, much has been written on our topic of daytime versus nighttime training. We talk about it, but yet we have always walked away from the dialogue with not much to show for. Major training companies want to do more daytime training for all the right reasons, but the industry has been slow to adopt. This town hall has all the makings of an action plan to not only change your own position on training, but the industry's. Listen for a blueprint of change to make training a higher priority and an integral part of your culture. Hey, I want to thank the supporters of the Town Hall Academy. You know, at Jasper Engines and Transmissions, quality and customer service is their number one goal. Their associates take pride in their work, and it shows every day in the quality drivetrain products they produce. Their quality and customer service has kept them growing for 76 years. Hats off to Jasper. One of the perks of the Repair Pail certification process, even if you don't pass the evaluation report, you get feedback on your shop's technical ability quality of equipment and customer satisfaction. Join the Repair Pail program and start getting new customers. Apply at repairpail.com slash shops. Hey, I'm handing out some podcast swag during December 2018. Now go to this special web address, remarkableresults.biz slash swag and enter the special password. Well, where do you get the special password? You'll hear it soon in this episode. Okay, you ready? Let's talk training. My academy team includes Chris Chesney, Senior Director of Training, CarQuest Technical Institute, Lucas Underwood, Shop Owner, L&M Performance, Blowing Rock, North Carolina, Carlos Abuco, Seals Complete Auto Care Center, Oakville, Ontario, Canada, and Paul Marquardt, Shop Owner, Northwoods Auto Techs, Rhinelander, Wisconsin, and a Napa Trainer. Hey, Chris was at an airport that accounts for some of the background noise in his track. Please tough through that. We had a very lively discussion that encompassed the entire spectrum of training, from having a training culture to the value of daytime and to being sure you look at training as an investment and not an expense. If owners can go to daytime training, why shouldn't technicians? See the show notes for the key talking points, which will be a perfect action list for improving your training commitment. Go to remarkableresults.biz slash A098 for the notes. As you've come to expect with the Town Hall Academy, you'll learn more than you ever expected. Now, here we go. So, okay, Chris, we're going to start with you. We're going to talk about daytime versus nighttime. And and I think one of the things that uh, you would love to talk about is, you know, I guess we've got to build this. And we would assume in corporate America or in the training venues that we have is that they're going to show up. 
all the time. The, the fact is we have built it. And my organization does a tremendous amount of, <coughs> excuse me, daytime training. We do daytime training for large organizations. Uh, World PAC holds only daytime training, but on the weekends. Uh, we hold daytime training uh, all across the country and have for 20 years. The fact remains, though, that the vast majority of our independent shop owners don't uh, commit to attend. So at ASTE, when Lucas was sitting next to me and I made the commitment to do daytime training, I meant it. Uh, my team would love to work during the day and go home at night. Uh, the fact is they probably work during the day and teach at night as well. Uh, they teach both day and night, and some still do. So we're willing uh, and able to deliver. I think some of the challenges with respect to facilities and things of that nature on a large scale uh, present uh, some hurdles that we need to overcome, but those can be overcome fairly easily. Chris, is the reason that WorldPAC holds the training on Saturdays is that they can actually find themselves a venue then? Well, they're typically held at a hotel, and the reason behind that, and, and Rob Morell, the leader of the WTI team, can attest to this, is they feel that uh, allowing a student to get a night's rest at a hotel and then be fully refreshed when they get up the next morning to pay attention for eight or 16 hours over a two-day period uh, makes uh, more sense than trying to uh, ensure that your students got what they needed in a four-hour period at night after working all day on a hot summer day. And finally, Chris, you know, this is way above my pay grade, but you know, I think we'd all want to know, is there any statistics out there at all that says that there's a much, the, the, the quality of knowledge transfer is better when we're fresh and it's during the day than, it, than where eyes are half-masked at night? Well, I think, I think you can assume that. Uh, I don't know that we have data that uh, really proves that out. Uh, however, I think the real commitment or real issue that we need to overcome is the fact that we today uh, do uh, outcome-based training where we deliver content uh, in the classroom, whether it be in the evening when guys are struggling to stay awake or during the, the day on a Saturday or Sunday or even in the middle of the week. Uh, where the guys are more refreshed. Uh, the fact is we deliver a lot of content and then pray that they get it and go home and, and put it into action. Uh, so in conjunction with moving to a daytime model, I, I think we need to think about how we move to a more competency-based mastery of skill model uh, that allows a student to prove that they understood what was uh, taught in class. We need to narrow the focus of what we teach in class and not try to shove 20 pounds of stuff in a five-pound box at the end of, of the day and ensure that they understood what they learned and can put it into action effectively. Thank you for that, Chris. Really good setup, uh, and I, I sure do appreciate you between airplanes coming on and spending some time with us. Are you heading home? Yes, I am. I think you've been out for a, a quite a long time and in a place far, far away, right? I'm at the end of a 12,500-mile week. Amazing. I'd love to hear about it. <laughs> I'd love to hear about it. Someday. I'll share it with you sometime. Thank you, man. Thank you. Hey, Lucas, uh, you used to work for a dealer, I believe. No, I didn't work for a dealer. I uh, actually started in the IT industry. Oh, that's uh, right. Before. I'm sorry. Um, it was yeah. someone else that I was thinking about, and but I, I don't know why. I think I think because you have discovered that dealers are prov- right. provide daytime training. 
and they see Correct. the value. That's, that's in absolutely it. right. And um, you know, I've I've spoken to a lot of technicians, and one of the things that we had a conversation about at ASTE was um, why is it that that dealer technicians don't feel comfortable leaving the dealer and coming to the independent side? And uh, one of the big things that I've heard from those technicians is, look, they're going to pay me to go to training. They're going to send me all week. They're going to pay for my food. They're paying me while I'm there. It's going to be during the day. They're going to pay for my hotel. Um, and, and listen, you, one of the big things that I've noticed about that is, is, is if we have a conversation with any dealer service manager, uh, I think we'll find that they're very concerned about productivity and efficiency. Uh, these guys are at the, the leading edge of efficiency. And if they're comfortable taking two or three guys out and sending them to training for a week, uh, and us independent shops are saying, yeah, but the productivity and the efficiency, gosh, is it something that we're not catching on to? Uh, when we talk about that, are, are we missing the ball here um, about getting these guys in daytime training? And, and you know, to what Chris said, I, I agree. We, we attend World Pack trainings. Uh, we do nighttime training as well. Um, and I think there's got to be a, a delicate balance. On are we going to, uh, you know, drop the ball on training? We're not training enough, uh, and we're we're missing the mark. Uh, are we training too much and not being uh, effective in the shop? But uh, training is so important uh, to each and every shop that that I think we've missed the ball quite a bit. Paul, you're out there, uh, shop owner and trainer, and uh, how do you see this issue shaping up in the future? That's a really good question. Um, I agree that we need to change our uh, the culture of training over the you know, in the upcoming years the way we used to do it with the nighttime training doesn't work and and, and chris would re- probably agree with me 100 percent on this i mean i've done classes by nine o'clock at night i'm looking on the outside of eyelids um you know the guys are are toast they're done um as a shop owner um i get you know where you know what you're saying there lucas is the fact that you know um to pull guys out of the shop does does cost us money, but on the other hand, it's costing us more money by not training our guys, um, and that's that's the key takeaway. One of the big things that when I talk to shop owners about training and daytime training is that I, I hear the you know you know their biggest complaint or their misconception is the cost of training. And you know to take you know to take a guy out uh, of the shop not producing any money. Paying the you know paying for a quality trainer to come in and actually do the class, this can you know this can run up a run up a bill or a training budget quite quickly. However, um, you know I think most shops out there don't budget for training and they don't take into considerations of hey you know what this is this is just like paying for my uniforms this is just like paying for my heat my lights my insurance we have to start budgeting for training we just start to have to provide for it. Um, I had a discussion with my techs just this week. I asked them because of the uh, uh, town hall meeting that we're having today. I just asked their opinion. What are your guys' thoughts of nighttime training versus daytime training? And I was you know, surprised on the mixed reviews I had even from my techs. I've got four techs in my shop. Some preferred the nighttime training. Some preferred the daytime training. That being said, though, we have to make sure we're compensating our technicians to attend training. Uh, you know, the days of, hey, you know what? You work eight hours good you know, good job. Now I need you to go sit on a four hour class, have pizza because everybody loves pizza every time we go to a training class. And oh, by the way, I'm not going to pay you to be there and I expect you to go there. You know, those, those days have to go away. Uh, we just have to focus more on quality training and getting that venue out to our guys. 
If your customer has a vehicle they like, they shouldn't have to get rid of it because the engine, transmission, or differential failed. You know, because you and your customer know the vehicle maintenance, there's no reason they can't keep it on the road. Depreciation, license, insurance, interest, add them all up and they'll probably total more than it would cost to install a remanufactured product from Jasper Engines and Transmissions. Personal finances only go so far. Daily living expenses, college for the kids, and, as we all hope, retirement. So before your customer rushes out to buy a new or a newer used vehicle because their engine or transmission has failed, contact Jasper and find out how a remanufactured product from Jasper Engines and Transmissions can extend the life of your customer's present vehicle for an amount much less than the higher expenses that come with a vehicle trade. Give their vehicle a new lease on life with Jasper. You know, many of the industry's high-quality shops you hear from on this show have already gone through the repair pail evaluation process with an independent automotive team to ensure that their techs are trained, they use the right tools, and they have happy customers. And in fact, over 2,200 repair shops across the nation have met quality requirements, have become repair pail certified, and are receiving new customers every month. Now, repair pail certified shops are proud to have passed their certification process, and they see the value of new customers, both from the 5 million monthly visitors to repairpail.com and their partners like CarMax and the tow program. What is nice is that shops can cancel anytime, so that makes repair pail work hard to ensure that you see the real value of the program. I encourage you to visit RepairPail.com slash shops. Learn how you can become RepairPail certified and connect with new customers every month. Carm here. In our December swag contest, the password is wisdom. Go to remarkableresults.biz slash swag, use the password wisdom, and enter to win a collector's coffee mug and a mouse pad. The drawing will happen in the first week of January 2019. Okay, the argument, quality training, what is it? How do we get it? Is there enough of it out there? Hold that up there, because I, I want you guys to talk about that. I also want to talk about the quality of life issues that are going on that I, I continually hear about. If we're going to go out, Carlo, this is this is going to you. If, if you're going to go out and find somebody, is that discussion in an interview all about, listen, I care about your quality of life, but I do want to train you, and this is how we're going to do it? Absolutely. It, it's uh, the training now is, is incorporated. It's, it's part of the hiring practice. It's part of the work-life balance. It's a marketing differentiator on the HR level now. It's no longer about, oh, we have a clean shop and we're a great business. Um, it, it's about how do you guys train? When do I go to training? Do I get paid for training? Do I get paid for transportation, my meals? Um, what type of training do you do versus where I came from? Um, I think that's a big. Uh, I think that's a big part of it nowadays. And do you find, Carlo, that there's more young people that care about that than our our older senior tech members? Yeah, you know, Carm, recently, I, you know, just exactly what uh, what Paul had commented about. Um, we had a. a older style technician here worked in the dealer environment and refused to go to nighttime training. So this is the way the dealers do it. Just like Lucas had said, uh, we changed this past year methodologies and how we think. And, and we started onboarding uh, millennials, which has always been a conversation or a challenge. And we started talking about work-life balance, you know, they're, 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 they're essentially, they work to live, you know, um, they don't want to live to work. So we, 
brought in the daytime training and started talking about how we, what type of training do they want? How do they want to do it? Um, and yeah, it's, it's an important factor when we start dealing with, uh, with younger um, techs who want to get into this industry. They want, they want the money, they want to be trained, but they also want um, life too. So I want all of uh, anyone who's going to listen or watch this uh, in, the, in the video when it gets repurposed next Wednesday, anyone on Facebook this weekend, I, I want you all to understand something. Carlo made a decision to take his entire team to vision. <gasps> oh, my God. That can't possibly happen. Were you nuts, Carlo? No, it, it, again, it comes it comes back to listening to Karma's podcasts, and I have a good shop friend, Scott Waddle, out in BC, and he, on one of your podcasts, he says I took all his guys down to one of the training sessions, and when I came back, it was wow, what a change! And I said, well, um, it's just going to cost money, but if I invest into it, I'll get a reinvestment back from it. So yeah, we're going to pack up all key personnel and fly them all down put them all in separate rooms, pay for all their training and pay for all their time while they're in training, including the Saturdays and the Sundays and everything. Um, yeah, we're going to take everybody down with us. So I, I think it's part of it is uh, business culture. Part of it is training. Part of it is socializing and seeing what the owner is going to commit to them, um, see what they're doing. Um, and part of it is we just can't get these trainers here in Canada. I, I, I just got I got to go find them. So I might as well take them with me. So it's a big investment. Hopefully that uh, we uh, I know we'll get a return on. I can tell you, you're going to get a return on investment. Um, you know, we we took the whole team last year. We don't have a big team, but we took the whole team um, and we are definitely going back this year. Um, and I'm going to tell you, I mean, just the culture alone. The, the time with the guys sitting down and having dinner, um, beginning to have some conversations and, and you're away from the shop, it, it just builds a, a camaraderie between your people that you can't get any other way. Um, and it was a great experience. And, and we all came back with something, right? If, if just one or two pieces of information that made our lives that much better, uh, it was certainly a, a good return on investment for us. It was a great experience. Uh, it's, a, it's a challenge when you look back, you know, uh, there's always people I, I, I think listen to these podcasts and go, hey, I'm a two-man shop. I can't afford what you're doing. That's just not me. And, and I always want to stress to people, you know, I, as a shop owner, I've been there. I was a three-man shop. I didn't have any money. We did nighttime training. And then we went a little further and, and, and got to this point where we are now. So when we say we can't uh, get to that point... Um, I always tell people it's it's about no you you just got to figure it out because it does it does happen you, you you can take time away from work you can go to a daytime training you can do some stuff and I think there's some really great future ideas for training that uh, I think should be exposed absolutely and and I want to say that that you know we started uh, training our training experience by going to ASTE um, and those people just treated us like family. And, and the reality is you don't know what you don't know. And if you don't expose yourself to that um, and expose yourself to some of the things that these other people can see, you can't. Um, and you just don't grow. And, and until you experience that one time, uh, you lack the ability to see the, the world from the outside. My uh, shop coach says that you can't read the label of the jar from inside the jar. So uh, that, that's how we look at training. Mm -hmm. That's a great quote. I love that quote. Yeah, and this is a great discussion. I mean, you know, as, for me as a shop owner with four guys, just this last 10 minutes listening to you guys, I'm sitting there thinking, hmm, 
maybe I need to send my guys and take my guys down there and do that. You know, and, and like I had said earlier, you know, we as shop owners need to budget for training and that would just be a budget line item. And we say, um, you know, what's it going to cost versus what's it going to cost not to send my guys to training. And uh, I think, I think this is a great idea. This is a great discussion. So there's two issues here on the table. Daytime, nighttime, let's call that one. And the other one is just committing to training and stop stop letting it training be on the expense line. And yeah, it'll always show up on the P&L as an expense, but it, you need to look at it as an investment. And if we, if, if daytime training is going to bring us more value, my challenge to you for is how does the shop get over the hill of, I cannot send someone to daytime training. And to me, there's a simple answer or two, and I'd love to hear it from you guys. Well, I wish there was a simple answer on that, Carm. Um, you know, it's, again, it's, it's, we got to change the culture. We got to uh, change the mindset of the shop owner. Okay. okay. Paul, let me, let, yep. let me build on that. Okay. Please do. You send, you send someone who needs some really important GDI training. There's a, there's a daytime class and he's going and you made that commitment two months ago because you knew the class was coming up. How do you schedule around that individual? Is it going to be a lighter day? Or is anyone going to pitch in harder? I mean, is you're right. It's about the training culture inside the place and how we adapt to someone being in training. But isn't it the same as if someone had a sick day? Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you plan around it, you know, and that's what we've done in the past. I've sent, you know, uh, people to daytime classes in the past. And as long as we know far enough ahead of time, you just schedule around it. One of the, uh, I'll give you an example. I do daytime service advisor classes, a two-day service advisor class. And invariable, just what every class I do, I get one or two service advisors that don't show up because the shop got too busy. And I'm, I sit there and look as a shop owner and go on, if you know you're going to be short a service advisor for a day or two, or if you're going to be short a technician a day or two, you just plan around it. You know, customers will understand. They don't need, you don't need to tell them, well, my guy's out for training. You just say, we're just busy and it's going to be next week, Tuesday before we can get to it. Okay. You plan around it, but I'm going to lose revenue that day. I can't afford to do that. <laughs> can't afford not to. You know, and that's, that's the truth. Go ahead. It's just, we, we always want to plan around things, but the reality is, is if your lead diagnostic tech is taking Friday off to go to a world pack training session or a course uh, you're loading them up monday to thursday <laughs> that's the reality check of it that the elephant in the room will load our guy heavily for the first four days beforehand and say you know this is how it is let's get it done and and that's just how it works yeah and i understand i mean we've just we had a we had a uh one of my lead techs just called in sick today halfway through a diesel job and now it's sitting there tore apart and we've got to call the customer and just let them know hey it's going to be a couple extra days um you know we just it, it, i i get that um you know there's not a simple solution there really isn't i mean if there was a silver bullet for this we'd have this problem solved years ago and is the silver part of the silver bullet, Chris, is that we just need to have more of these in front of us and less day to, uh, nighttime? Well, I think so. I think the one thing that I would say that uh, our organization is committed to putting groups together that are interested in uh, daytime training in the markets that will support it. If we can get 10 shop owners together in a market that will support daytime training, we'll be there. Uh, the, the, 
the impetus is on the shop owners to commit to that. Uh, we're committed to it. Uh, we're committed to training, period. We, we take our entire team to, to Kansas City. I'll have, I'll have 20 people there uh, as far as my uh, employee staff working uh, at Kansas City at Vision. So we're committed to it. But uh, just contact your, your advance or CarQuest representative and we'll put it together. And I know that my competitors would as well. Uh, we're committed to it, so let us, you know, challenge us and, and let us help. So, <clears throat> you brought up a great point, Chris. Chris is on the move. I love it. Don't want you to miss your plane, man. Private groups. Hey, listen, get 10 shop owners together and let's do this. Now, Carlo, I believe this is something that you're considering, and I've been talking to more and more people that say, I know the training that I want. I've hired a trainer. They're coming in, and 10 of us are getting together doing daytime so it's high quality we're all pitching in sharing the price and we're getting good and we're willing to pay we're willing to do it right is that going to be the trend i i karma i really do hope um that's an opportunity in the industry i know you know just listening and stuff it's maybe not for everybody but you know i when i look at from a, a from our our jobbers standpoint, they know who their top 20% of their clientele are. They know who the ones who are focused. Uh, And maybe that's where the sort of the fishing pool is for this type of opportunity. But I think there's an opportunity. We talk like Greenwood talks about, we're professionals in our industry. Um, And we talk about all these 20 groups for owners and managers and owners and managers are flying all over the place doing these groups. And I'm going, no, why can't we do that with, with technicians? Our level A plus diagnostic techs, if we could get five shops or 10 shops in an area and, uh, and put them under one roof, and that's exactly what I'm proposing for our place. I'd like to see you know, a, a different mindset in the industry is, hey, you know what? Let's use my shop. Let's get 10 of the best shops, techs in one roof. Albeit, let's do it on a Saturday. Maybe we can do it on a Friday. And instead of doing the PDF PowerPoint presentation, um, let's open the hoods of the cars and let's put these level A plus guys underneath the hoods of the cars with a trainer. Is it a premium price? Yes, it is. Is it a premium experience? Yes, it is. And if those level A technicians, in my belief, come back to the shop and work with the level Bs or the juniors or the apprentices, that's going to be a trickle down within the shop and help improve that culture. Um, And I think as you get those groups together, they're, you develop friendships among those five, eight, ten techs, and now they're a phone-a-friend system where they can re- sort of rely on each other. And I think that's just sort of the natural course of where I see things changing. If you listen to Greenwood and Ziegler's podcast that was released on Tuesday, Eric is talking about this brand new concept called a 10 group, like a 20 group, but a 10 group, and he's doing it with technicians. And I think that could be a, a potentially the future of us, Chris. Uh, oh, you got on a hey, first class. I love it. Where's the champagne? Nice, nice job. <laughs> but you bring up a great point, Carlo, and I want to challenge the rest of the team to the hands on idea. If we were going to bring people in and we were going to use some bays, uh, and it was going to be a you know, somehow daytime, and it was a Saturday, is the trend to more hands on uh, what we need today? I, I believe so, and I, I think something that we're we're going to move to is if we're going to do daytime training, we have to get creative. Um, we can't just do these conventional classes we've always done and try and pack all that information in at once. We need to uh, 
have pinpoint accuracy. Um, and, you know, I had a, an experience recently where I got to see how other industries train their employees. And, um, man, it, it's a big difference between how we operate uh, and how we train. And, and so I think there is uh, lots of opportunity to begin to have some classes in shops, uh, have smaller groups, and uh, have some really pinpoint accuracy on the training we're offering and, and getting our best guys to those trainings. Yeah, and, it, and I got to agree with you, Lucas, on that too. Most techs prefer to have a hands-on training, and and that's I believe is is the uh, is the mode we got to start going to. And I, and I love the ideas that just, you know a lot of you guys are having on this. Is that you know we need to you know maybe do those Saturdays. Now, one of the things we start doing in our shop is I'm doing hands-on training with my guys. Um, well, we'll take a topic. <clears throat> excuse me, we'll take a topic. You know, they want to learn how to use pressure transducers. So we'll take a shop afternoon and we'll, we'll quit scheduling work uh, mid-afternoon. We'll spend, you know, even a couple hours of hands-on training is worth way more than sitting in a classroom at nighttime um, to get their hands on, their, on the cars and actually see what they're seeing on a PowerPoint. A philosophical question to you, um, to the owners here, and Chris, please uh, come in on this. I'm, I'm scheduling less work. I'm sending uh, my, my top tech to classes that he wanted and that I know that he needs. And I've spent a lot of money. Doesn't matter if it was local, if I had to send him away somewhere. In your minds, as CEOs of your business, do you see the investment coming back over time? Do you see productivity increasing? Do you see that knowledge level? Do you see him teaching and training the rest of the team? Do you see a benefit for that investment? I do. Okay, you do. How long? How long is it taking to see that, Paul? I would say it takes a, maybe about a year or two where you start to actually see them coming back and, and become comfortable with sharing their knowledge with other ones. Uh, you know, our our shop, we do more of like a team-based uh, environment. So guys are more willing to, you know, one guy's running into a problem, another guy's willing to jump in there and share his expertise with that. Uh, maybe that drivability problem or that braking issue or whatever issue that they're having. So I see that the guys that have had a uh, strong background of training are more apt to help out the, the, the new guys that maybe don't have that kind of experience. And so, you know, we see productivity go up. We see uh, the efficiency goes up. Uh, and we, we have a, uh, uh, it, it creates a more friendly about uh, atmosphere for working in. Everybody just seems to enjoy helping each other out. And and uh, you take a technician, in my opinion, if you take a good technician that has a lot of knowledge, he wants to share that knowledge with his, his fellow techs. He wants to help them out. And, uh, and so that's a win-win. I do want to hear from Lucas and Carlo on this subject, but uh, I can't help but interrupting you, Paul, and saying, and, and Chris, you know this, Paul, you probably know this really well, when you teach, you learn. And if you could get someone that comes back from a, a daytime and within two or three weeks have these mini lunch and learns, hey, listen, do me a favor, go over a half hour of, this, of, your, of the top things you took away. And they kind of, hey, we did this, we talked about this, did you know about that? It solidifies him and you start, you start building your, your, your training network within the group. And, and again, it's just my thought of how to continue to benefit from the training investment. You know, Carm, the, the thing that we're doing uh, in the field that we've tested over the last three years is to uh, hold, number one, apprenticeship uh, groups uh, to grow new technicians and to raise our own. But within that, what we 
discovered is that including the master tech and the mentors from the shop, the same shop coming to the same class uh, and being engaged in that same learning process and then going back and helping the younger techs put that uh, skill or technique into action uh, really drives the, the investment and the return on that investment significantly. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you that part of the uh, uh, return on investment uh, secret is to have a plan, have a, a learning plan for your organization, make sure that you have uh, your team uh, scheduled for training based on their needs, not based on a cool title or something of that nature. It's incumbent upon the training companies like myself and, and our programs to uh, organize our training into smaller, narrowly focused, bite-sized skills or uh, techniques, competencies, if you will, that we can deliver in a way that allows us to uh, allow you to uh, assign those to your people uh, in a meaningful way. And then at the end of the day, you're investing in your business plan, uh, in education, and in those skills. You're not investing in training. Uh, investing in training is a lot like uh, throwing parts in a car to try to fix it. Uh, you're, you're going to class just in case you run into that problem. And, and so you have to approach training or education of your people in the same way you diagnose a vehicle with uh, any kind of problem, with a, a strategy, uh, with a plan, and you've got to stick to that plan, and that requires investment. And you can plan on that at the beginning of the year. And at the end of the day, you can measure it at the end of the year. You know, it, 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 it's such a great point, by the way. Uh, tell, the, tell the stewardess, thank you so much for uh, her great comments there, Chris. We found out that you were on Southwest. I thought you were on Delta First Class. What's going on here? Okay. <laughs> but, but his point is so well taken. You know, every shop owner worth their weight sits down with their supplier and there's the training package we'd love to get your input we'd also like to say we've got your input now here's what we've got planned for next year and what chris chris's point which which i think was so perfect we talked about this before chris is which of my people need this do we do, do we all need it and you know and if god if, if three of my guys need this how do i get all three to this class Hmm. How about we hire in? So your part of your plan and your strategy may be to hire in, and some of them may be to go to nighttime. Some of them may be to go to daytime. Some of it may be to vision. Some of it could be to apex. And 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 a point well taken. Let's go back, Lucas. I wanted to ask you the question that I asked a few minutes ago about seeing the return on investment when someone comes back. They start integrating themselves into the shop. Paul says. I see a two-year return on that investment. Absolutely. Well, so I think the return on the investment is even shorter, right? And and I think one of the things that we've seen in our shop is is that when uh, the guys in the classes see that my guys are attending all of these classes and we're uh, publicizing these events. We recently had a uh, CarQuest event in town and helped them publicize that and try and uh, garnish some attention for it. I start getting calls from these really hungry techs who are all about uh, growth and who are all about learning to be better saying, hey, do you have any open positions? And we're talking about a tech shortage. You want to talk about a, a real benefit to being involved in some trainings. Uh, when you have the technicians who are hungry and who are uh, wanting to learn and grow, calling you saying, hey, you know, when's the next training? Do you have an open position on your team? Uh, you know, I think that's a great return on investment uh, in its own right. Um, 
as far as return on investment with mentoring, you know, we just signed up with the SP2 program. I believe it's um, the mentoring program is free um, for shops this year. And, and it's been a really positive thing. And, and I believe in personal development. We're employee and, and customer centric in our shop. And uh, it has been a really positive thing for my employees. When we put that program in front of them and they said, wow, I can help somebody. I can give back a little bit. Um, so we've brought some apprentices into the shop and, and they're starting to work with these people. I think it's a, a personal development return on investment for them. Um, but I also think that they're really learning things that, that they had not grasped before just because now they're having to explain it to somebody else. So I think the return on investment, uh, you know, long term, yeah, two years. But uh, as soon as you start, I believe you'll start seeing some real return pretty quickly. There's another uh, a gem or cherry that fell off the tree. Thank you very much for that, Lucas. Carlo, how long do you see the benefits coming back to you? <laughs> the honest answer, I, I, it goes two ways. Um, it could be, um, depending on which technician is going to training, it could be a matter of weeks or months that you see the return on it, or a diagnostic technician could be a year or two years um, before you see it. I see it. It's I, I find it hard to measure. I may send my lead A to diagnostic training, but um, that exact skill he learned didn't uh, get used, but he learned something else that reminded him when he teaches an apprentice or he teaches a secondary tech in the shop. So what he originally went for, actually, I didn't see, I didn't measure it, but it rubbed off onto the others and the other team players started improving their skills. And that could be over a multi-year process. And then I also made a note to myself that there is no return on investment. Training is is potentially um, lost. If you send your tech to training to come back to a shop where he doesn't really know what the path is, like, why am I going to training? You send me to training. I go because I'm an employee. You tell me to go. You paid for my time. But if that employee, regardless of a level A, level B, level C, whatever in your shop, if he doesn't understand the purpose, the big picture, the vision of the company, why he's doing it, he's just going to training. And he doesn't know to come back to the shop and empower his other people with the training. And then on top of it, you know, I get passionate about this because in my shop, you come back and then you beat him up because he didn't figure out the problem so fast. I sent you to training. How come you didn't get it done in, in flat rate an hour time? Well, now we just demotivated him for going to training. Now I don't want to go to training anymore. So the reality is, is, is there a return on investment? Absolutely. And measurable time. And could you blow him up and, and really make a negative impact on training? Absolutely. You, it's called beat the clock diagnose it fast. And um, you know what, you're kind of slow. So we're going to put you back to doing break jobs versus letting them grow with that training and saying, I know you're in three hours into a safari, but I know you're going the right way. We'll figure out how we handle the shop. And that's, you know, from a return on investment. Yeah. People say training's not working. I'm not going to send you anymore because you can't do it. Well, whose fault is it? Great point, uh, Carlo. Uh, just excellent. Uh, Paul, I want to ask you a question. Um, and Carlo just brought it up. It just came to my mind. You're sitting in front of a class. Did you ever stop and say, I want each of you to tell me why you're here? Yeah, I never, never really thought. And I'm sure most of them would say because the boss sent me. 
is what be would be the generic answer. Um, you know, and I agree. I think that we need to uh, develop a path for my technicians or for your technicians. I think one of the other disconnects that we have sometimes, and, and Carlo, you brought this up too, is that we send our guys to technician, and I see this a lot, even in my own shop. We show them a new technique. We show them the use of a new tool. They come back to the shop, and they don't apply what they learned. And I think even if we, you know, do still do a little bit of nighttime training, we as shop owners probably need to make sure that we give them time the next day to practice what they learned, you know, and maybe one of the uh, thoughts is to set them aside and says, okay, show me one thing that you learned new in the class the night before. Show me, we talked pressure transducers. We talked about uh, doing a relative compression test with a lab scope. Show me how it's done so that reinforces what they actually physically learned in the, in the class before. Um, I, you know, I do, I do t- training in our own area and, you know, and I talked to my technicians and we've talked about doing, I'll take an example of relative compression tests. I beat that subject up to death in a lot of classes and almost to the point that we beat it up too much. And yet when I come back to my shop, my guys need to have me actually physically show them how to do it. They see it on a PowerPoint, but until somebody takes them out in the shop, puts their hands on a piece of equipment, and talks them through the process, they really haven't really embraced it 100%. Okay, so here's a question to everyone. Chris, I think you'd be probably the best to answer this. Chris and Paul, yet, the you know, Lucas and Carlo, I, I want to hear from you too. Homework. <laughs> this is the thought that I had. My thought was homework, and then I wrote down, do a case study. And if you if you send someone out with the PowerPoint, it wasn't, wasn't hands-on, can you go out and say, listen, part of the investment that your owner made was that you have to send me a case study based on one of the points. I'd love you to write it down, give it to me. I'm going to go back to your owner. I mean, should 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 training that we're doing today, nighttime, day time, be, be 360 degree, which means, listen, you, you gave me the trust, Mr. Owner, to bring in this individual, and I'm going to show you how well we did because he's going to write up a little mini case study. Now that puts him hands on. Is this is this a wild thought? You're giving away all my secrets. Um, actually, we're implementing that uh, in 2019. Uh, I'm not going to give you 100% of the detail, but uh, post-class, at the end of class, the instructor, before you get a certificate, the instructor is going to provide uh, a challenge or homework. Uh, it'll be a project that the student must complete over the next week or two. We haven't really established what that time frame is. And then you submit it uh, through our system. Our instructor will evaluate and vet that project, uh, grade it, and you'll gain uh, uh, points or uh, credit for that project. And that will go towards the mastery of skill and the proof of skill uh, concept, which is competency-based education. So it's just one step in the way that we're trying to bridge that gap. Cool. Cool, Chris. Yeah, I'm... um uh, sometimes it scares me. I'm, I'm, I think like you. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> it's good stuff. It scares you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were my friend, um, w- Carlo. What do you think if 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 your trainer got back to you and they sent you an email and said, "Hey, uh, we did some homework and he did good in it." I think, uh, and I said I wrote down a, a note to. I thought I thought that was a great idea. We we in Canada we have the apprenticeship program, so. Um, our apprentices go for a three-year. We in our shop, they do three years, one day a week. They go to class, four days they're working. Um, they do that for three years. And the requirement here at our company is 
that whatever you learned in class, you got to come back and someone's got to watch you, show you, do whatever you learned. So if you learned about uh, parallel circuits, you got to work with one of the guys on a parallel circuit that week. So that way you can get your hands on. But from a diagnostic training, if, if our leads or anybody's going to training classes to have some type of a homework or a case study, I think that's a good thing. I also think from an HR standpoint, I think that's a good way to tie in a bonus structure. I think if, if, why, if why, don't, why don't we, as an owner, why don't I compensate for ability to take training and put it into a real-life uh, measurable tool? So if there is a case study that needs to be submitted four times a year, why not tie it to a non-monetary bonus structure? Um, I'm all for that. I like that idea. Absolutely. I think it's a great idea. Um, and I think that, that sort of like the SP2 and, and as well as um, some of the service advisor training we do now, it has an end of course testing um, type of scenario in it. And, and we definitely see far more engagement because they understand at the end of it, hey, I'm going to have to uh, come back and bring something to this. Uh, so I think it's a, it's a very valuable concept. Um, sometimes it can be difficult, I think, to administer. So it has to be well thought out uh, and well planned. Uh, but I do think it is a great idea. And I think we'll see tremendous growth from our technicians uh, when something like this is implemented. Hey, look at guys. Um, this was this went to places like all town hall academies because the people that that come on are such givers and and they're big thinkers. And I and this was a more open discussion. I mean, you know, Carm, did you solve daytime, nighttime? No, but I think we had a very vibrant, very wide open discussion. Not only about you know the value of daytime and maybe where the trends should be, but in training overall. So I want to go around the room. Chris, I'm going to let you go first because that jet may be just taking off. And uh, I don't care if you take a stand, if you have any final comments, uh, you want to you know, chat with each other, but uh, let's, let's try to bring this to a conclusion. Uh, thanks, Carm. Apologies for the, the... Appreciate the time. Challenge us. Challenge the training companies to do this right. Have a great day. Okay, man. Thank you. He's getting on a plane. Thank you so much, Chris. Uh, always some great wise wise words from Chris. Uh, we'll continue to go around the room here. Paul, how about you? Uh, bring us to a conclusion from your perspective. Well, I, I agree with Chris. We you know we got to challenge our trainers, but we also have to challenge our um, our fellow shop owners um, to buy into tra- you know to to buy into quality training and get them on board. Um, like in a lot of areas that uh, if, if we can't get the support in small communities. It's hard for a, uh, a training company to come in there and justify the cost to bring in for just one or two shops. So we gotta we gotta be involved with uh, you know with our local shops and, and get them to buy into it and challenge them to step up to the plate and uh, get the guys trained. And you all know each other. I mean, you know, the, the top shop operators. I mean, one of the one of the great uh, here here was something from uh, Craig Zale in in the chat. We have Saturday hands on training for four times a year with our Dallas BDG. That's the business development group of Napa. The other six a year are in the evening after work. So they're, they've got a balance going on there, which is, which is interesting. And there were some really nice comments in the, uh, in, in the chat. Thank you for being there. A great, great point, uh, Paul. Thank you so much. Lucas, final words. Absolutely. I think that um, it's time we recognize what a value our technicians are to our businesses. Um, and to honor that value, we need to make sure we're providing them with the knowledge that they need and, and help them 
develop personally and professionally. Um, I think that Chris brought some really great points to the table. Um, and I think we need to be working with uh, some of these high schools and some of these community colleges, as well as the other shops in town to, to bring that additional attendance we need. Uh, you know, we had the instructors from the high school and the community college at the last CTI class we did. Um, and, you know, you start getting some students there and all of a sudden it's a lot easier to fill a class and make it work. Um, so it was a really great event. And I think if uh, we begin to work on both sides, uh, we'll see some real improvement in the industry across the board. Thanks so much for that, Lucas. You know, I, I know that the the, uh, the post-secondary and the high schools are busy places. They have probably more students than they have instructors. The, the mix may not be right. They probably don't have enough bays and equipment. With all that said, still, that, that that's a venue that could be used for hands-on. Absolutely. If we can't, Absolutely. if we can't get to a, you know, if, if some of the shops say, no, Carlo, you'll steal my people if I send them there. And you know what? And again, that's a short thinker. Okay. A lot of that, that, that think shouldn't be there because if you've, if you've developed that, uh, that 20 group mentality, that business development group mentality, it shouldn't matter because everybody's trying to get all ships to rise and you're pooling your assets. And uh, with that, maybe my final word, Paul, Carlo, I'll give you the last. I see the daytime versus nighttime training just being an evolution in the business. It's, it's a marketing differentiator for hiring. We have challenges finding technicians. I think that's going to be separating you from others, especially if trying to find good quality people. And dealers and, and corporately run automotive businesses are looking to this and they can do it faster and swifter than we can in some cases. Um, but I think it's about shop owners, you know, thinking outside the box, stopping independent and start working <laughs> together. Um, and, and whether pooling a shop, if, if you got to keep costs down, you know, use a shop to do the, do the training in, but it's once you start the daytime training, you'll see the, uh, you'll see the staff, appreciate it. And that, I can't put a ma magic number what the return is, but you'll get the return. Thank you so much. Um, thank you to Chris Chesney, Senior Director of Training, CarQuest Technical Institute, uh, our first time doing an on-airplane <laughs> panel member. <laughs> and uh, appreciate the audience patience with some of Chris's audio feed and the fact that he he uh, he uh, he just had he had to get off and and that's great uh, so it worked out. Lucas Underwood, shop owner, LNM Performance, Blowing Rock, North Carolina. Lucas, thanks for being here. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, Carlos Abuco, Seals Complete Auto Care Center, Oakville, Ontario, Canada. And please listen to his episode today. Uh, you just uh, trust me. It's it's like money in the bank. And thanks for doing that with us, Carlo. Uh, thanks, Carmen. I appreciate and, it. And and Paul Marquardt. Shop owner, Northwoods Auto Techs, Rhinelander, Wisconsin, and a Napa trainer. Thanks, Paul. Oh, thanks. It's been my pleasure. It's Good to have you. Come back again sometime? Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. Thanks, man. Hey, have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time...